Welcome to the Tech Policy Podcast. I'm Evan Schwartz-Trevor. On today's show, digital activism or digital selectivism? Has the internet made activism easier but less effective? Does clicking a uh, link to sign a petition or tweeting at your local congressman actually accomplish anything? Joining me to discuss this is Michelle Ray, founder of Clear Voter, a company that's trying to turn slacktivism into activism. Michelle, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. And I also have to point out that Michelle has a very impressive Twitter following, and you can follow her at Galt's Girl, which is a great uh, Ayn Rand reference for all you uh, libertarians out there. Um, so, Michelle, uh, what do you see as the main difference between slacktivism and activism? Um, I, I think that uh, very clearly the difference is being uh, aware enough to pay attention to politics online and interested enough to click the retweet button and maybe go sign a petition or the share button on Facebook, uh, but not being willing to get off your couch and follow up on on that issue that interested you enough to take that action on social media or online. And is there really a a clear difference in how effective those things are? Because, you know, we hear congressmen and senators, you know, they'll go on TV and they'll say, oh, I'm getting a lot of comments on Facebook or, oh, my constituents are tweeting at me. I mean, it seems like they do pay attention to some online activism. But um, do you just see that as less effective than the hands on approach uh, that was more prominent uh, before the Internet? Well, I think that um, in light of how how immediate reactions are online, I think that legislators don't have much of a, an option anymore. Um, Social media is, is just ingrained in politics now, um, thanks to particularly OFA's efforts in 2008 and, and their use of, of media and data. Um, they're a very effective use of media and data to get out the vote and, and to rally supporters to their cause. So I think that um, over the last seven, eight years in particular, social media has just become a, a part, a tool in politics. And I think that politicians do have to pay attention, necessarily have to mention social interaction. Um, but I don't think that in most cases we can say definitively that, that social has an, has an immediate impact on the actual policymaking. So, you know, it feels good to slacktivists to get together in, in handy little teams online and, and all agree with each other and and tweet directly at their representatives. I mean, all of these are, are effective tools in making your voice heard, but it's still a very detached form of engagement. Um, it's very, very easy. Like I said, just, just as, as slacktivists are interested enough to hit the retweet button, five seconds later, their attention is turned to something else. I think that for legislators, it, it works much the same way. Um, it's great when they get a bunch of people in support of their position online and they can use that type of of attention to say, look, I have this echo chamber that agrees with me online and here are some of the great comments I'm getting. But it's just as easy to ignore the opposition or dissent to their positions uh, because five seconds later, the, the legislators are focused on something else, trying to get more support uh, online as well. So I, I think that it can be an effective tool um, 
in some regards, but I think that it isn't. It, it, it's only an immediate blip on the radar. It isn't the same as a legislator having to deal with a constituent or a group of constituents who have made an appointment or shown up at their office or protesting outside of their home, and that requires a physical statement and response on their behalf. Yeah, and we've heard this framed as a generational criticism where um, a lot of folks who came of age in the 60s and 70s and uh, there was a lot of social unrest and protests and people really did get their hands dirty. Um, a lot of them are critical of millennials who they see as slacktivists um, who just sit around on social media and they're happy to engage in politics online where there's a layer of anonymity or detachment, but much, much less likely to go out and vote. Uh, you saw that Bernie Sanders, who's very popular among millennials, uh, struggle to get them to turn out. Um, it's always been a problem where young people don't like to vote or to get them to go out and organize. But it's one thing to criticize slacktivism. It's another thing to do something about it. So you founded the company Clear Voter. Tell us about what you're trying to accomplish. Well, Clear Voter, the founders of Clear Voter kind of span the idea, the political ideological gamut. Um, you know, we have uh, liberals, uh, Democrats, and, and Republicans, and me, of course, a diehard libertarian on the board. And all of us uh, are pretty active socially on social media um, and very, very frustrated with what a lot of people who are active are frustrated with, that disconnect between having an opinion online and being very informed, uh, considering ourselves very informed, and we've got the world of information at our fingertips, but not being able to move the needle on issues that are important to us, whether that be at the federal level or the state level or the local level. The idea behind Clear Voter is to take all of that information and all of that, that frustration that comes with being informed and engaged and wanting to do something and not really knowing how. And I think that's been a failing of a lot of the tools that are available in social media is that they put this information in your hand. Even even you know activist groups who are so willing to inform people who agree with them and, and want to get things done put all of this information into their, their supporters' hands and then leave them. You know, they they go to an area and they do a a, a town hall or they do an activist meeting, and they give them all of this wonderful information, but they don't leave them with the tools they need to connect with their local legislators, to connect with each other locally, and to move the needle on the issues. Now, uh, Clear Voter is focused hyper locally, meaning that it connects you uh, locally with voters in your voting district and puts the tool in your hand to physically meet with those voters uh, in a physical location and to plan some. Something, uh, some interaction with your legislators or even with each other to, to get an initiative or an idea out into local public view. But we don't limit your interaction, obviously. It would be, it's great to see the needle move and to check that box that you're getting something done locally, but not everybody needs to focus locally. And so Clear Voter gives you the opportunity to connect at the state level or the national level. But we, what we really want to do is to get you off of the couch on the, those issues that you're very, very uh, in tune with and informed about and get that information into other people's hands so that they can help you move the needle. Yeah, and you bring up such an important point about frustration and being informed about politics will inevitably lead to frustration because whether you're on the left or the right, the kind of center establishment in this country, the, the things that Democrats and Republicans often agree on is what causes the most frustration. 
And I can't blame people who go on their Facebook and their Twitter and they're constantly seeing articles and people doing things and expressing their opinions and then nothing seems to change. And that might lead to the kind of apathy that you're trying to fix. But at least at the local level, congregating in person cannot be underestimated. And it it can be just as granular as something like your neighborhood being designated a historic neighborhood or a building being designated as a landmark. These are local policies that have a real impact on your bottom line. I have a friend who lives in a neighborhood in DC. Um, I believe it was yesterday. I should probably follow up with him. They had a vote on whether to make the neighborhood a historic neighborhood. And that sounds like whatever, minutia, it doesn't matter, but he's a property owner. And if this vote goes the wrong way, he could end up not be or being prohibited from making alterations to his basement or expanding his property and and making more money off of his investment. And there's all sorts of other issues about restricting the housing supply and people in cities like San Francisco, New York, and even DC are often complaining about the high rents. This is a basic supply and demand problem. So here's an example of where you could get on Twitter and Facebook and yell about it all you want. But if you don't show up to this local meeting and vote, you know, it's going to go, it might go against you and then you have no one to blame but yourself. So there's really, there's really great opportunities at the local level. And I, it it totally makes sense that you are focusing so much on that. And these groups uh, that you help organize with ClearVoter, they're called BLOCKS, B-L-O-C. And do you have any advice um, for, for new users of the platform or people who are interested in using it on how to make the most of it and, uh, and really just how to use it? Well, so one of the things, like you said, you know, the frustration is the biggest part of voter apathy, the feeling like you can scream all day long and not get anything done. Um, For us, for the the founders of Clear Voter, um, the idea is to take people like like myself or like you or like your your friend um, who have a, a very specific interest and knowledge about a topic and make them kind of a community leader on a specific issue. Um, one of the other great failings, I think, particularly now, uh, and this is in large part due to social media, is that partisan divide. Uh, but if we focus hyper-locally, specifically on issues, that partisan divide tends to melt away. Um, it's very easy to get a group of people, regardless of political ideology who agree on some point of an issue. And the idea of voting blocks um, is really that. It's to center uh, groups of people around an issue and to get them a tool to create a plan to move, uh, you know, make, have movement happen on that issue. So one of the great things about Clear Voter is that it allows you to very specifically define what you're concerned about, to reach out to people in your local community who have already said that they're interested in, you know, that kind of issue, whether it be zoning regulation, tax regulation, education, um, anything that that might impact them, and let a leader who is already informed or already passionate about this issue, create a group, a physical meetup and, and get this information out to other people. So for you know somebody who's interested in using ClearVoter, the very, very best thing you can do is sign up on the app. Um, our, we're in beta right now, kind of a, a limited beta, uh, but we should be releasing a full beta later on this summer, um, is to sign up on the app and, and just take a look at what the other people in your area are interested in and there is no issue too small. Um, you know, we've talked to people who are interested in repealing backyard chicken ordinances all the way up to uh, legalizing marijuana at the state level. Um, and there really is no use case 
too small for what clear voter has in mind. Uh, and you talked about, you know, the, the power of showing up. One of the best stories I heard was at the Libertarian Party convention. Uh, it was presented by one of the founders of the Tax Revolution Institute uh, on the tiny island city of Kodiak, Alaska. And it was one of those things where it was, a you know, city council meetings in most cities consist of the city council and whoever's taking notes or filming it. That's who shows up at city council meetings. Um and in this case, uh, a small group of people who were concerned about a, a property use ordinance that was going to fine people for leaving fishing equipment in their front yard in a fishing community, um, it was going to wreak havoc on on you know the community itself and increase you know insane fines for these people. Um, a small group of people got together and uh, told others what the impact of this was going to be. And because of, of that very small group of people who were passionate about stopping this thing, uh, the city council was overwhelmed with physical attendees to the meeting to the point where enough people, something like 69 people spoke out against this thing, delayed the vote, um, required a second meeting to which they still didn't have a venue large enough to hold the attendees. And, and they basically just killed this resolution that otherwise the borough would have passed and it would have taken you know, residents by surprise and wound up costing them, you know, insane amounts of money to continue to live in their own community, um, in, you know, in a way that they had for basically since the inception of the community. And and that's the kind of thing that makes, that gets users motivated to get involved and the kind of thing you can do with Clear Voter, you know, with something you're already familiar with. People use their, their cell phones every single day to engage on Twitter, on Facebook, um, on meet in on, you know, on whatever local app they're using to see what's going on in their community, Yelp or whatever. This is just one more tool to take that slacktivism physical so you can stop things from like what happened in Kodiak or, you know, what might have happened in designating a community as a historic neighborhood um, from happening right. to begin with. Because we all know rolling back legislation is almost impossible once it's in place. Yeah. And you could imagine how that meeting might have gone differently, even if every single person who showed up um, was tweeting and Facebooking and emailing, but then they didn't show up physically at the meeting. You know, the city council members might say, oh, you know, there was a lot of noise online, but no one had the guts to show up. No one really cared enough to come in person and yell at me. So uh, that, that you know, it's, it's kind of like an all of the above approach, like sure. And, and recognizing the limits of the platforms you have. So if Facebook is the place where people share their political beliefs and argue about them, and Twitter is the place where people try to get a very specific idea, like a hashtag, a meme out there, those platforms might have those limits. And, and, and as organizing tools, they might not be ready for that next step. So it's important for voters to just appreciate what they have, but then recognize those limits, recognize the limits of things like change.org with petitions or calling their congressmen and really getting out there. Now, it seems like one of the primary motivations uh, for you to have started this platform um, was just providing a place for people to physically assemble. Um, but also there's this issue of voter turnout. And we saw in the primaries that um, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump both secured nominations with fractions of their own parties because part the, the people who identify as Democrat or Republican 
only a small percentage relatively of those people show up to vote in primaries, and the general election has a much bigger turnout. Um, as of 2014, voter participation in the United States was at 36%. It's even lower among young people. So other than the the real uh, motivation to get people to meet in person, is this also just a general response to a lack of voter turnout in the United States, especially as you compare us to some other countries that have really good turnout? Well, and I think um, I, I think that is one of my personal big motivations. Um, you, you, it's very interesting you mentioned other countries. One of the reasons I think that you can attribute high voter turnout in certain countries that are witnessing revolutionary changes in their types of governance is a, a feeling of being um, – disregarded, which we have in the United States. You know, one of the things, the biggest complaints about for apathetic voters is that my voice doesn't make a difference. Um, for me, a very local example of what voter turnout can do um, is the recent fight in the city of Austin over keeping Uber and Lyft. Um, without going into all the details, no matter how passionate you are on either side of this issue, the reality is voter turnout on the voter Lyft voter slash lift initiative to ban them, uh, well, what essentially amounted to banning them from the city was 17% and 54% of that 17% voted in favor of the regulation that essentially drove uh, Austin out. So for a, a piece of legislation, a regulation that impacted the city so dramatically. I mean, we had 10,000 Uber and Lyft drivers in this city who are, you know, now have lost incomes and lost flexibility um, because of, you know, 54% of 17% of voters who turned out. And for yeah. people like me who are very passionate about this issue and informed about this issue and, not, and very frustrated as to the reasons why the opposition opposed it, no matter how many... Uh, you know, things I tweeted, no matter how many articles I posted on Facebook, no matter how many online groups I got, the lack of immediacy is one of the things that kills initiatives every single time. You can be angry about something happening in your community and you can see it online and you can share it, but there's no tool for you to immediately take action. And that's something that Clear Voter is really designed to remedy. If I'm online and I'm angry about Uber and Lyft and I want to physically do something about it, Clear Voter puts a tool in my hand to immediately create a group, create an initiative, create an, organize an event so that I can get people together right then, as opposed to say something like creating a group on Facebook, trying to get people to join it. Um, users on Clear Voter are already grouped in this community. They've already expressed an interest in going beyond slacktivism and into activism. So, yes. you know, that gives them the tool to immediately, I can say, look, meet me at Joe's bar tonight and we're going to figure out a way to physically do something. We're going to, you know, we're going to execute a plan to meet with our legislators to, to attend city council meetings and mass to educate other people on this issue. Um, and it, it makes that immediate frustration with an issue actionable, whereas being on Twitter and creating a meme or creating a group on Facebook just doesn't give you that kind of a tool immediately. Absolutely. And uh, for, for more on the Uber situation in Austin, we actually did a podcast on that. So it's episode number 79. And really the, re the most remarkable thing about that story was that Uber and Lyft were able to get 
I think like 60,000 people to sign the petition or sorry, sign a piece of paper that would allow the voter referendum to get on the ballot. But then they got fewer people to turn out to vote than they got to sign the petition. So just to illustrate the importance of voter turnout. Now, uh, just to wrap up the show, um, are there any or, or you mentioned that the app is going to be in a full beta soon. Um, do you have a sense of when that will be so that listeners can jump on board and download the app? Well, we are. We're really, really hoping that will be full beta released by the end of July. But don't hold me to that date. Tech bugs. <laughs> tech bugs are tech bugs, and and our developers are, are amazing guys. But they are, uh, you know, trying to make sure everything works before we release fully to the public. But you know, right now everything looks fantastic for a late summer rollout. And um, just go register at clearvoter.com or follow us on Twitter at WeAreClearVoter to keep an eye on what's going on. We'll keep you posted. Excellent. Well, that's it for today's show. Uh, my guest has been Michelle Ray, founder of Clear Voter. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Freedom. Uh, email us at media at techfreedom.org. We're always looking to get your feedback, uh, topics you want to hear, guests you want to see on the show. Uh, find this podcast in the iTunes store or on your favorite app. Uh, please leave us a review because it will help others find the show. Thanks for listening. The Tech Policy Podcast is produced and distributed by Tech Freedom, a nonpartisan nonprofit think tank in Washington, D.C. To learn more about our work, make a tax-deductible donation, or find other episodes, find us online at techfreedom.org.